Hi, I'm Marika, and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading floors in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. My guest today is Vanessa. She lives in Buenos Aires and is multinational, having four nationalities. What I love with her is that she has so many facets and doesn't fit into any boxes. That's refreshing. We met while in London, but she's originally Franco-Colombian. She used to work in the corporate world, quit everything to launch her own company, moved to Israel to feel the tech and startup vibe, and met an Argentinian boyfriend, so moved there being a digital nomad. In short, she has no limits, she is living a life. Vanessa really impresses me on one thing. She has simple needs and always sorts things out. You never see her buying a fancy bag or other superficial stuff, but she'll use the money to invest and always has good tips on how to spend less. So, enough of description, let's discover a bit more. So, hi Vanessa, how are you? Hi, and you? Yeah, really good. Really excited about our chats. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> I know you're a big user and you watch a lot of videos. So, what does it feel being on a podcast and why did you accept to be part of it? Well, I mean, this is my first podcast, so thank you very much for inviting me. Usually, I mean, yes, videos are about, you know, like five, ten minutes topic. So you just watch video and within five, ten minutes you're done. Whereas I feel that whenever I listen to a podcast, I can really listen to a bit more, like up to 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes. So and I can go more into details on a topic that I'm interested in. So if we go back to more like your experience and especially like the going from a secure job to more like of the unknown. So you're very trendy in the way that you're a digital nomad. You've created your own startup maybe three years ago, if I'm yeah. pretty yeah, right. Yeah, three yeah. years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can work basically from everywhere. But before that, you were more settled having a corporate job in London, right? So what made you move from a job where you were financially comfortable to like something you don't really know what to expect? It's a long journey. I mean, to start with this, I mean, my family, and I think it's important to say like a background that my family, especially my grandfather's grandparents are like entrepreneurs. So I kind of grew up in this spirit of being, you know, having your own shop, having your own business. Uh, my uncle as well has one as well. But my father has been actually very successful uh, working in a very large corporate company. So I kind of had like two models to, uh, to grow up with. And when I joined, I started my university in Latin America, in Colombia. 
I was very impacted by the way how they would address us. You know, they would just, at the start of the year, they would just say, like, you are the future leader of this generation, of this country. You are the future CEO, the future directors. You have to reward and give back to this society. So it was really weird for me. Like, you know, you're like 18 and they were treating you as a CEO. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it, it was kind of like almost brainwashing because for four years, they would all, everyone would talk to us if we were like, you know, entrepreneurs, highly successful, criminal directors, I mean, really. So at the end of it, when you're starting your corporate world, I mean, it, it was really hard for me because I started like as an intern, analyst intern, so the lowest of the lowest in the, the company. And yeah, for me, it was, it was very frustrating because of that, where, where I came from. So I always thought like, no, one day I'm going to start my company. And then I kind of moved on within the, the organizations and everything up until I moved to, well, to the bank where I did the graduate scheme and then I joined a team over there. I remember at that time I was thinking like, oh, what should I do? Should I continue on the corporate world and climb the ladder or create my own company? And at that time, it wasn't that obvious for me because I actually liked working in the large corporates, I mean, in the bank, because the bank at the end, you know, it's a lot about making money. I don't like making money. It's a lot about analyzing. So, I mean, yeah, numbers. So, I mean, I liked it. So I said to myself, okay, fine, I'm going to try to go as quick as possible and to, you know, like to evolve. So I remember the the problem is, was, I mean, I'm very not patient. That's a big problem. (laughs) I must say I'm not patient. So I remember I said like to myself, okay, fine, I'm going to work very hard for six months and let's see if I can get an increase uh, or something. So I worked a lot for those six months, like really a lot. I mean, the bank room was finishing at five, six-ish, and I was finishing every day at 10, 11, working for my boss. And uh, he was very impressed by how much I was working. So I even uh, had like a reward at, at the end of it. So I got a reward for my work. So everything was like, wow, perfect. Vanessa, you've achieved everything after six months, you know. And then when we had our one-to-one and I was expecting for something, you know, my boss said like, okay, great, Vanessa, you've done very well for the past six months. I expect you to do exactly the same for the next six months. And then we will see if you deserve to have uh, an increase or something. Too slow according to your own rhythm, basically. Yeah, way too slow. I mean, I'm very impatient. So I was like, what? No way. And what what next? I mean, in six months, you're going to tell me exactly the same. I didn't believe him and I was very frustrated because of that situation. At that time, I said, like, okay, I'm not going to have anyone decide on my career. I'm going to use it and I'm going to really work myself on my career. Okay, so when you took the decision, like, how did it feel? It should be, like, pretty exciting, but at the same time, oh, but first it, was a big frust- <laughs> it was a big frustration. <laughs> it was a big frustration, but... I had planned for something like this for a long time before uh, because I always had like a plan A, B, C, and D. So um, I knew that at some point I wanted to be independent. I wasn't sure when. So I had been like saving a lot to invest in a property and to rent it out. And by doing that, I knew that I would be um, financially independent. And especially yeah. like that early, in your early 30s, it's pretty not common, so pretty amazing. <laughs> so, so how long in advance did you start saving? Maybe three years. Yeah, three years. I saved for three years. Like, yeah, 
I mean, and, I stopped and, traveling. So did you do compromises? Because it's always the case of I have like this medium term plan that I want to do. But at the same time, oh, there's so many opportunities to spend now. Like how how does it work? Like, do you do compromises? Do you restrict yourself on some aspects to always like keep your goals in mind? Or was it actually way easier than you thought? I mean, for me, it was easy because i mean i love saving i really don't like spending money so for me it was easy i mean maybe it was hard because i had to that's my travelings i used to travel everywhere and i decided like i had to stop it because travels are so expensive so i stopped traveling yeah i stopped spending money as much as i could for three years i mean i thought it would be for one year at first and then had to go for the second and third year but <laughs> But you know, it was more like a step-by-step step growing up my savings. So, I mean, for me, it wasn't that hard. And at some point, you just get used to it, really. Yeah, no, but it's still pretty impressive, like, especially maintaining that goal, doing it that early, and then having the flexibility to actually do what you really want. So, yeah, really bravo on that one. So, because I'm sure, like, a lot of people have the same interest or the same plan not to depend on a paycheck, for example, what do you have any tips to give them? Not depend on the paycheck. Well, I mean, you have to invest for that and you have to diversify yourself. So bit creating another job. Some people, for instance, I don't know, I don't know, they are teaching, for instance, that's one that could work or you're creating a product and you're selling it. For me, it was more like to invest. So I bought a house and I rented it. And I remember that it was a big topic because no one would do it on their first buy. Everyone was just buying a house to live in. And I was the only one that would uh, just buy to rent. So and a lot of people were telling me, why are you doing this? This makes no sense, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I mean, I want to be financially free. So that, for me, that's more important than having my own house. <laughs> Living, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And you're still happy, even though it's been, well, like a few years you've had this house. Like, you're still happy having it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy. And now I want to expand it and uh, I'm trying to expand it and buy more house. So, yeah, I just want to continue on that path, really, because one house is never enough. You, I want more. <laughs> so, yes, that's where <laughs> I am at the moment. Okay, cool. So you seem to be like pretty risk-taking in the way like that you manage your life. So you move from one country to the next, you've launched your startup and so on. Is it how you see yourself or not at all? I don't think I have so much risk-taking. I mean, I like to take risk, but I like to control them. Whenever I take a risk or manage like a step uh, forward somewhere, I always ask myself, okay, what's the worst that can happen? And can I just manage it, you know? Like, I usually end up always saying, like, okay, the worst that can happen is me ending up at my mother's house without any job, <laughs> without anything, and living there for, I don't know, a while. So whenever I see that, I see myself and I say, okay, fine, I can handle this. That's a risk I can handle. So, yeah, and then I say, okay, come. Yeah, so even though you, you're a bit pushy, let's say, financially, like, do you still have money on the side as if anything happens, if something unexpected comes or, or not really? Because, you know, as you said, like, the worst comes to the worst, you go back to your parents' house and, and it's fine. You know, I always have something. I do have uh, savings on the side, really. I mean, I think it's important to have something. It gives you, like, tranquility or, you know, like a peace of mind that's... Yeah. 
you can just go through anything and it's fine. I mean, so I do have my savings in case something happens. So yeah, no, definitely you and anyone, everyone should have it. And um, I have some friends that don't. So yeah, I always try to tell them to save more. But but yeah, well, I'm aware that not everyone has it. <laughs> so the money that you have on the side as a more like a safety net, it's really in a low risk environment, right? You don't invest in any volatile product. It's just super safe. Well, yeah, I mean, funny enough, I don't invest in stocks or bonds. I used to before, but I mean, I should. I always think to say, say to myself, oh, I have to do it. But I'm always thinking like I'm going to invest in a new in a house. So for instance, I'm thinking like, oh, I want to buy a new house. Okay. So I need to have the funds with me. And whenever you invest it, I know usually to make it worth because you have to buy so many things. And you never know how the market is going. And on. you have to sit um, there at least six months or 12 months, which in my head, I don't have them. Well, I might have them, but I don't see them. I always prefer to have the money with me in case I need the money like immediately or soon enough. So usually that's why I don't invest. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> the, the question then is like, you already have a house. Okay. You're planning on buying another one. So are you happy with like having all of your assets and it's already like amazing to have that much in real estate or do you plan to diversify at some points if and when you could or, or no, you're just happy with housing, that's your assets and that's it? Yeah, no, I'm happy with uh, with real estate really because uh, if you look at it, everyone invests in real estate, even the, the richest people they invest so much in real estate and I don't like so much risk. So I don't like to buy equity and equity. That's the point. Everyone tends to first buy equity when they start to invest. And it's actually very risky. I mean, you can you can do like plus 20 or minus 20%, uh, you know, in a month. So um, I don't like to put my money so much into stress. So I would be more into bonds if I ever invest. But the thing is, real estate gives me a lot of uh, return, much higher than any anything else. And for me, a risk that I know I can control, so I can control it much more. So yeah, I prefer, that's why I prefer to have real estate, maybe to diversify in different countries, something I've been thinking about, but not in another aspect. Yeah, that's cool. So when you're thinking about buying or doing an investment in real estate, then what do you look at? How do you get the info? What makes you think it's a good decision? Like, what, what's your thought process? I do different steps. So the first step is try to buy a house that is a bit lower than the market. Usually it would be a rundown house that would need a lot of work to put it back up. So that's one. Second, I will have a look at the rent. So I will look at the website and see how much would be a rent in this area. I also look council, talk to the council because uh, there are many like laws around the real estate market. So I need to make sure that I understand the law in, for me to do what I want to do. And then, yeah, and then just look at the balance of how much I have to invest with how much I will receive. And then I just take my decision. I'm usually very quick at making my decisions. And it seems to be pretty like rational. You have a plan, you have the questions you need to answer along the way, you know if it's good or not doing your math, basically. Yeah, no, I usually, I always look at how much I'm going to invest with how much I'm going to receive as a return uh, based on my research. So once I have this, I just look, I also look at the uh, where the house is as well as the importance. The location is super important. 
And yeah, usually this is how I do it. When I started, I bought a house in a very like simple, modest neighborhood. But now I'm looking more for a bit higher neighborhood as well. So yeah, I'm just like as well learning in the process. Yeah, exactly. Like everything, like you need to start. While you start, you actually learn. And when you learn, then you can make all the right decisions because you're aware of what to do, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, yeah. true. Cool. And still in terms of risk, so like if you take a bit of risk, always there's um, a possibility that sometimes it goes well and sometimes it goes bad. So have you lost money on anything that you bought or not really? Yes. I mean, just with the COVID situation, I mean, with COVID situation, like um, the, the house has been partially empty for a while. Or I had some people that were not willing to pay. So that means that, yeah, I have a loss. So, yeah, I mean, thankfully, I mean, we have laws in place, a bit slow to me. But, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I mean, you need to take control of it and uh, make sure that you, you can just apply them and uh, get it, get your money back and uh, increase your rates. Usually, it's all about decreasing. So, yeah, I mean, that's why, I mean, when I the house i mean i told myself okay fine in case of any crisis because when i bought it in my mind it was i remember very well the subprime crisis previously so i thought to myself like okay fine i mean i can still be positive even if i decrease my prices by 50 percent. so i say yes i can it's fine so i mean i think i can just face any crisis as long as i decrease my price by 50 percent. i mean and i'm still okay i think it's a good investment yeah, no, exactly. And it means as well that you do in a bit like stress scenario. If this happens, what can yeah. I lose? What can I afford? So basically, even though you've been hit by the crisis, it did not decrease your confidence on that investment. You're just like at ease because actually you knew about it or like not knew exactly what would happen. But yeah, you already knew your numbers. You were well prepared and it's like there's a crisis. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, you, I think whenever you start an investment, you need to be prepared when you are, if you lose, because I mean, in any investment, you're not going to or be positive every time. At some point, you will, have, you will lose some money. So you need to be prepared for it and uh, mm-hmm. have some action plan. What happens? What do you do if you're losing money? Yeah, good planning, basically. <laughs> so I've kept um, like two questions for the end, which are a bit more fun. So the first one is about risk because you, again, seem to be like pretty risky. So (laughs) we often say like women are more risk averse than men, even though that still holds because of the education and interest bias, probably things are slowly changing. But do you know a lot of female friends like you who are independent, who really want to take opportunities wherever they come from? My friends network tends to be like this and I'm saying like more female just you know like starting things on their own so um or taking risks so I'm seeing this more also I'm also very conscious that my friends you know whenever you're looking for friends you kind of look of someone that somehow looks like you at some degree so (laughs) I'm aware that my friends might be a bit special and do not represent the majority of people and uh, because when I was working in employers I could see very well that although I was surrounded by very capable women they would never take such a risk 
Whereas, yeah, maybe my friends in London would, my friends in, in Israel definitely would, and the one in Latin America as well would. So yeah, I mean, I know that majority of yeah, female usually would not take so much risk. But yeah, as you're saying, things are changing slowly to me, but they're changing. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's always good like to know people, who know people, and so on. you're not alone, basically. <laughs> and um, and last one, what's the craziest thing you've done with your money? Even though you seem to be like pretty rational, pretty focused on like medium term rather than short term, but still sometimes, I don't know, maybe yeah. you've done something like that doesn't suit your personality or maybe you had a sudden impulse into buying something like craziest I mean something that I did before joining the graduate scheme in the bank I decided to to go for a world tour and that costed me (laughs) that costed me like ten thousand dollars I didn't have the money at the time so I took a loan on it and uh, that's something I would never ever ever recommend anyone to do (laughs) even though the experience is amazing right Yeah, the experience was amazing. The experience was worth it. I mean, in the end, it was worth it. But for me right now, taking a loan to travel, I would never do this. Yeah, because after your trip, you're back like to your normal life and then you need to pay back. It's easier like to plan for it and then like have fun and enjoy rather than the contrary. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But in my case, I mean, I already had like, um, I knew I had a contract in one year. So I just had to survive for one year, basically. (laughs) And after that, I knew I would be all right. So that's why I I did it. But yeah, but for a few years, I had to be paid back. I remember it was just like really hard. So yeah, but that was crazy. Like it was a crazy decision, definitely. But also crazy in terms of money management, because I mean, that's so unlike me. I mean, I usually (laughs) don't like to spend money. So I'd be like, why why did I do that? But, But yeah. It's <laughs> pretty no exactly and pretty funny as well cool I think we're arriving at the end so thank you so much for your time Vanessa I'm yeah. sure a lot of people like me have been inspired because it's always nice to see independent confident women dealing with the money and like sharing their experiences thank you so much all right thank you very much <laughs> bye bye at the end of this episode i hope you are as enthusiastic as i am if you like this podcast please subscribe and spread the words and if you want to go further in mastering this beautiful adventure of owning your finances please contact me on instagram at moneychillout or on my website at marigafino.com i offer workshops and coaching to guide you through